0: Maybe just as you're sitting there beginning to listen to this uh, seventh episode of our podcast, would you close your eyes for a moment reflecting on the land that you have walked through today or yesterday or over this week, the land that you call home, your footsteps that you have taken in this land and the footsteps that have been taken in this land by the people of your culture and by the people of the indigenous culture of this land. I have walked the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. Over the last week I walked the uh, Warrandite River And I walked through Warburton and all these places that we have been to where people have walked before us and I want to acknowledge those footsteps, a land lived in well before my people came.
1: And I want to acknowledge that I have walked of the Darawal people, now known as the Sutherland Shire.
0: May we see peace in these lands.
1: Welcome to an upside-down world.
0: Podcasts from from Tearfund Australia with your hosts, Joel Maccaro
1: and Grace Naum.
0: Today, we're talking peace. Mm. We're talking blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God.
1: And we'll be hearing from James Montgomery. James is part of the programs team at Tearfund, working directly with our partners in the South Asia Asia. Mm, Asia, Asia region, including Afghanistan, Pakistan and Nepal. James is going to be our seventh contributor for Upside Down World, and I'm pretty pumped about it. Having close connection with communities who face daily instability and conflict, James has a unique perspective on blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of
2: God.
0: And obviously Afghanistan is one of those places that's very much in the front of people's minds at the moment for many of us. Um, and while there's need to speak kind of sensitively about our, our partners there, um, and we won't be mentioning names and that kind of stuff, it's so important to, um, I think, to hear about Tifon's work uh, in some of these hard, complex places and realities in our world, um, and how Jesus' heart and teachings are expressed in life-giving ways within these environments. So um, we're going to start with this interview with James and then after that is a, a poem, um, one of our poems from Grace, um, which you can hear straight after this interview.
1: Friends, we have James Montgomery with us today. It is so great to have you with us, James. How are you going?
3: Yeah, great. Thanks, Grace. Good Glad to be here.
1: Oh, so good to have you, um, James. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
3: Yeah, sure. So I'm Melbourne based. I live with uh, my wife Emily, and we have a, a small dog, Otto. You might be able to see him sleeping just in the background, by the way. Um, That's a great very, dog name. I like that, Otto. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he's done very well out of the whole working from home situation. <laughs> <laughs> um, good, great little companion. But yeah, yeah I, I've I've been working for Tier Fund for um, a bit over three years now, and uh, my role with Tier Fund, I have the great blessing of being in the international program, which means that I get to go and visit. The work of our partner organizations. So Tifan works with different local Christian organizations in um, oh, close to 20 different countries. Uh, wow. My role is working with the partners across India, Nepal and Afghanistan. Um, so yeah, it, look, that is a great blessing. I think that there are so many positive stories that I get to see um, as a part of my work. And Look, my work was previously very travel-focused. That's mm-hmm. changed quite a bit um, yeah. in the past couple of years. I was reflecting on this. I think it, the, the Australian government has a guide around travel and they they list countries. Um, to, in terms of the risk rating, certain countries are rated as do not travel because of the risk. And Afghanistan is very much one of those countries. Yeah. But the last couple of years, almost the whole world has become not trouble.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: So, yeah.
0: <laughs> That's really true. Has it, for you, has it made it, um, has COVID made it harder to connect with partners and organisations on the ground or has it actually made it easier
3: for you? Uh, a bit of both. Yeah, look, right. there's, there's no replacing face-to-face interaction. Like, that yeah. is by far the best part of my work. Yeah. Um, Seeing, seeing the partners that we work with in person, meeting people in communities is by far the best part. But saying that the, there's a great blessing in the technology that means that I can um, talk to a, a, a local staff member who can show me around a, a village and I can see the, the water point that they've just put in and, and even just wow. talk to people in the community about how that, that fresh water has been a blessing to their families. Um, yeah. there's something really nice about that as well it's, it's not a substitute but it's um a great help that we have that yeah, technology yeah. available wow yeah hey, i'd love
0: to i'd love to hear maybe just a little of your story in terms of um obviously you're doing this work with Fund now uh, and i think you've been involved in other kind of um development organizations etc in the past where when did this become a thing for you have you always been Has social justice always been at the forefront for you or was that a gradual
3: growing thing? Tell us us Ah, about are experience. So, look, I actually started my professional career as a physiotherapist (laughs) and, yeah, started working as a physio in hospitals in Melbourne. Pretty much, though, after about a year of working in the absolutely marvellous Australian health system, I started to see actually that we have so many blessings in our health system here. And started to hear stories and read about the the huge challenges um, in in many low income countries, particularly around healthcare. And so, look, I, I feel like God led me to start um, volunteering at, as a physio at a leprosy hospital in Niger in West Africa. Wow. So I just did that for twelve months. Um, that was a it was a challenging time, but it was also. Um, really eye-opening to the, the great impact that um, public health, that education, health education, can make um, in the lives of people in 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 poor communities. Um, and I kind of through that work, I guess I saw that there, there was a great thing for me to be doing in terms of just providing treatment to people as a physio. And I was working to try and train up a local guy in in physio techniques. But, but what I was really seeing was that um, there were things that I would see that just should not have happened. Like yeah. I, I was I was spending a lot of time treating children with very severe burns. Wow. So the, wow. the, the the story that most sticks in my mind is that there was a four year old girl who was carrying a pot of boiling water on her head mm-hmm. and slipped, and the the water fell across her face and across her body, and she had very so like third degree burns, basically. Um, mm. And I, I just kept thinking, why did this happen? And mm-hmm. and why was it? And I remember talking to the the parents, like, well, why was she carrying water? And, they, and they, they kind of didn't understand the question. They were kind of saying, well, this is just, that was the task that she, that she was doing. And mm. just kind of realising actually that um, education, like, w- would have, um, made a huge difference in actually preventing some of these very preventable um, impairments and disabilities that, that I saw very frequently there. Mm. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of then fell into work um, more around community education, health education, um, ended up doing a, a Master's in Public Health and, yeah, I, I felt, feel like it's been a real, I didn't intend to go away from the physio work. Mm. It actually just felt like it's, it's been a blessing to to be involved in other work. That um yeah, it's been a bit of an adventure. The last it's almost ten years now that I've been wow. um, in the kind of public health community development side of things.
1: Wow, wow James,
0: was that was that an experience with that girl? Was that a or um, and that whole time was it a life kind of shattering moment for you, or even like a faith shattering moment, or did it actually? concrete things up for you
3: yeah. oh good question I think that there were things that I would look I would see I think I got I grew up in in such a loving family in such a stable home in a stable country That what I think my time there showed me was that that was exceptional that there are so many people in this world who are actually just living in systems of injustice and the the effects of poverty that that was shattering for me the yeah. mm. um the the sorrow that poverty can cause um the unnecessary deaths of children yeah. the the yeah the 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 unnecessary kind of um impairment that would result from someone um not getting you know, accept just just uh, disability as a result from not having proper nutrition. Yeah. Um, yeah, that 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 injustice was was shattering for me in terms of making me realise that we have it so well here in Australia, and that yeah. that is not true of the majority of people in this world. Mm. Um, saying that, it was also like you know seeing seeing the blessing that. Um, a hospital could be for uh, people living in that situation where um, where access to healthcare can can be the difference between life and death for for a mother in labour. Mm. Um, yeah. So seeing that there was injustice, but also seeing that there was work that was being done to mm. to to bring an end to that injustice, to and and seeing God's kingdom come in those very um, difficult and difficult situations for people was also great encouragement.
1: James, um, as you know, we're focusing on the Beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. I'm just wondering, like, that time, uh, that first 12 months um, in Niger, I mean, what? How, how did that affect your sense of peace? Um, hmm. Because you would have been, exp- like, as you're saying, exposed to such extreme suffering, and yet you're also um, being able to serve and to, to make a difference. Was it like, what happened by the end of those 12 months? What happened to your sense of peace? Did it decline or did it grow? through what you experienced.
3: Oh, look, I think yeah, overall I would say that it that it grew. I think um I, I over over time I've I've developed a real sense of God's sovereignty in this world. Um and and while at times there were I would feel like there was a, a great deal of uncertainty in my time in Niger, there were um, terrorist attacks in the country Wow. Um, I, look after that i've i've gone uh, part, of, part of my work in subsequent years has taken me to democratic Republic of congo it's taken me wow. to um yeah to afghanistan to uh other places where there has been um insecurity and uh, a great deal of uncertainty mm. um, and I think overall I I have this, I more and more have a sense of just God's sovereignty and guidance. Mm. And it's a weird thing, but when I think about what peace feels like for me, one Mm. thing I reflect on is I I love being tossed about in the ocean waves. Mm. Um, Maybe that doesn't sound peaceful, but for me I think there's almost this feeling of being in the hands of god like being tossed about by something so much more powerful than i can even comprehend in the ocean mm. that that like feeling kind of safe in that um upheaval in in the water mm. wow it's amazing we were just talking about snorkeling with you before before we started yeah. recording I
0: and mean, yep. it's such a similar feeling isn't it like in the wild, wild ocean, you put your face beneath the surface of the water and suddenly the wildness disappears and it's just peace. Yeah. Um, so underneath, underneath all of that. what is what, Like you talk about God's sovereignty. Um, it, it's, it's hard for me, one of the things I wrestle with in terms of God's sovereignty and the opposite of peace, the pain, suffering, brokenness in the world. How, how do you hold, like how does God's sovereignty bring you peace? Um, rather than like God isn't like aren't you meant to have a plan for all this and it's just gone to the crapper and mm. and and we see all this violence and awfulness in the world. What is what do you mean by that? How does God's sovereignty bring you
2: peace?
3: Yeah, I'll look, I think my only answer um, for 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 the suffering in this world is knowing that we have a God who has experienced that suffering Himself, and that while we we can't understand the suffering that goes on often um we do know that that Christ himself ha- has undergone unimaginable suffering and that 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 was in in the upside down world of God's kingdom mm-hmm. that, that that suffering he endured was actually um the him defeating the power of death and and sin and evil in this world mm. um but I, I think yeah like I, I see in this in the work that I'm doing I see injustice and suffering in, in many of the countries where we work uh, and it is it is so hard to comprehend how people can be living through that kind of turmoil for, for, for many years and um but I, I do have great hope in knowing that, yeah, that God, God turns dark situations to good. That, mm-hmm. and, and more than anything, I think we can see that in the cross. That the darkest moment in human history actually, God, three days later, there's the the resurrection, and God has completely turned that around.
1: Mm. Um, I was, as you were speaking, I mean, a lot of what you do requires a lot of bravery james to voluntarily go to these um countries of of such intense turmoil um anxiety and fear can be so what's the word um potent acute that's the word i'm looking for Uh, how like thinking about the idea that you can't really give peace unless you have peace in inside yourself, um what are daily practices or um or what do you do on the day to day when when the fear or the uncertainty or the worry is just overwhelming? how can you create for yourself
2: acute peace?
3: <laughs> mm, yeah. Look, I think the thing for me is that I would always come back to prayer. Mm. Um, prayer and and trying to meditate on on God's word I think has been enormously helpful for me. Mm. Um, also just I think, yeah, look, I, I do every time I, I travel to one of these places, look, I, I do feel a sense of anxiety about what might happen. Mm. Um but at the end of the day I also I think uh, I come back to that the, the question of God's sovereignty um, and and this feeling that, that there is there is justice that in, in in the work that Tifan does in in hard places in places where there is turmoil that there is, I see that as the work of God's kingdom, um, mm. and I, I had this this question came up very um, clearly when I was first thinking about travelling to Afghanistan. Um, should we, should we be even supporting work in a, a country where where I may potentially be kidnapped? Look, when I when I travel to Afghanistan, the uh, the Australian government wr- writes a letter saying basically very specifically do not travel there is not safe um oh. it, it's personalized like I, I had a personal <laughs> letter saying you know you should specifically be not traveling there but I'm i, sure I your think wife, it, i'm sure your wife loves to get those letters as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but what I think about is actually if if I was to, if was was decide to stop supporting work in that country because of the uncertainty and because of the potential risk, that we would be, in effect, heaping injustice upon injustice by yeah. saying actually it's not safe for us to work there, we should stop supporting work there because it's not safe. But for the people who have already endured over 40 years of conflict and... And of seeing so much injustice in their day to day lives, um, that, that that is so counter to the the good news of God's kingdom coming in this world. Um, mm-hmm. That yeah, that and and so look, I think I feel that the work that Tier Fund does is um, is kingdom work. It is mm-hmm. um, seeing God's justice come to to hard places to, to places where there is much oppression and unnecessary suffering. Mm-hmm. And so I, I find com- comfort in knowing that, yeah, it, it is God's kingdom work and, and yeah, whatever happens, um, it is for his glory.
0: Do you have um, i I'd, I'd just love to maybe hear a, a story or two of, where you've seen um, glimpses or or just where you've seen peace, glimpses of the peaceable kingdom as mm. as you have worked in these places, um, mm. where you've seen peace become a reality for people or for a community or whatever. I'd love to hear a story if you have one.
3: Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I, w- I was thinking about a particular man that I met in Afghanistan in, in late 2019 I'll call him, I'll call him Ali. Uh, I won't use his proper name, but I'll call him Ali. And he was in a a, a community that had faced much um, upheaval uh, in, the, in the fighting over the years. And he, he had he had fourteen children. He had eight eight boys and six girls. Very large family. Um, and and basically, he had been a part of this project that. Uh, one of our partners in Afghanistan um, was implementing well just a note here uh, I'll use the language of of partners in Afghanistan for for security reasons I can't actually say the names of these organizations Yeah, uh, fund works with with local Christian organizations and it wouldn't be safe at this time for us to, to say their names so when I say partners I, I basically mean that those organizations that we work with mm-hmm. yeah. um, but this man Ali, he he was uh, a, a joined a self help group in the, the community where they were working in, um, in this part of Afghanistan. And this self help group program, what what they were doing was um, they would identify uh, poor poor families in the community, and there's this program where they would get they would be sharing cows around. This, is, this has been going on for around 15 years now. There are so many cows that have spread across this, this part of the country. <laughs> but a family would get a cow and then the first calf that was born, uh, actually the first female calf that was born, they would then pass on to another family so they could start the cycle. Yeah. Um, and this man, Ali, he, he received a cow. Um, pretty soon had a, a female calf he could pass on and then it had another calf and um, yeah, so quite quickly, he, he managed to have this income for his family. That meant that he was, him and his uh, 14 children were able to move out from his father's household. He said that it was very cramped um, beforehand. Um, but I'll, actually, I'll read a, a quote from Ali. Um, mm. So he said, before I was reliant on the charity of others in my community, but now I am able to be generous with the milk, cheese, and yogurt that I'm able to produce from my cows. I have enough to feed my children, be generous to those in need, and sell some in the market. Mm. I'm very glad to have this income. Many young men from this village end up working as security guards. We are illiterate, so there were no other options. But this is very dangerous work. Three young men from this village were killed in its, by a suicide bomber in... Wow this local big town nearby two days ago mm-hmm. and so w- what i realized for for someone like ali actually that being being involved in a an income generating project being involved yeah. in a, a project where it was just a, it was addressing the financial poverty that he was going through actually re- resulted in him being apart from that conflict that he didn't have to go and get involved in the, the security forces, in, the, in the, the fighting that was going on nearby. Wow. And so even just addressing the material needs of someone in poverty can actually be a way of bringing about peace in a community. What, what I've noticed over the years is in countries where there is ongoing war or conflict, uh, that there's a way that violence begets violence, that yeah. what's occurring at the, the larger macro level can yeah. translate into to family life, that often there are the cycles of, of conflict and abuse that can occur in families. Yeah. Um, and 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 the partners that we work with are also addressing these things. So we have yeah. a, a program that's all about positive parenting and um, teaches parents that, that actually beating children causes more harm than, than good and um, yeah. there's, there's wonderful stories that come out of, of fathers saying how they used to beat their children, now they've realised that actually just positively um, reinforcing good behaviour and, um has made a huge difference to their family lives and they have joy and um yeah. and, and quality time with their children at home as opposed to to you know kind of being being quite distant so yeah yeah that and even um that that has extended to schools as well so there's it, i mean there are schools where um caning children or beating children for their um Behavior in classrooms is still common. Um, mm. So I, I remember this great story of uh, a teacher talking about how once he'd learned actually the, the benefit of rather than smacking children in the classroom, um, reinforcing good behavior, he he snapped his cane in half quite dramatically <laughs> in front of the other teachers to demonstrate that he'd seen how how good it was to actually um, recognise that the. the 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 quality that um, their children had, and and actually praise them for their good work rather than just um, yeah disciplining bad behaviour.
1: Wow, so that's epic. That,
3: yeah, that's a beautiful image. Yeah, I mean. yeah. Um,
1: how how does a peacemaker approach conflict?
3: Yeah, look when I when I think about uh, the beatitudes. I, I think that one thing I reflect on is um, that we have the perfect example in in Christ. So not only did he he give us this amazing moral teaching, but he lived it out. So um, look, in, in this time of Lent, we 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 look to the journey of Christ to Jerusalem and to the cross, and um. Look, I, I see that he is actually the ultimate peacemaker. So in his death and resurrection, he has brought us peace. Um, it is, he is self-sacrificial rather than bringing the military campaign that many um, thought that the Messiah would bring about. He uh, goes to his own death for, for our um, great benefit and, um, and I think that in, in, in living out in trying to to live as a peacemaker in this in this world now, I think what I see is that a big part of of seeking peace is actually listening, mm-hmm. so yeah, having empathy for for what the other person is going through, um, and a part of that is is being present as well. Um, so, not not just. I, I think sometimes in, in conflict, um, one option is to just turn away. But actually, that that absence is a is a form of conflict in itself. That oh, wow! Actually, being being present um, is how we we seek reconciliation.
0: Yeah, I, I really I really like that in terms of both. Um kind of the, the macro level kind of thinking about peacemaking and conflict and at a social level overseas and that kind of thing, but also um, also at a micro level, like in our own lives, um, that the choice to be present and listen well to those we might be having conflict with or to those or to where conflict could be. Um in terms of um whether it's family members who are on a very different political spectrum than you are or like anything like that. Um I, I'm wondering quickly, James, for you, are you are you naturally a peacemaker? Um and and, and also can that can peacemaking, peacemaking also move into conflict avoidance? Like at a, is there a shadow side
4: in mm-hmm. terms
0: of at a of micro level in our lives as well? Um, and yeah, I'm just wondering if you can reflect on that for you personally, what what this looks like.
3: Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I'm, I'm an Enneagram 9. Uh, I was wondering <laughs> if you were. I was like, we're talking about peace. <laughs> I wonder yeah.
1: if we're talking <laughs> about <laughs> peace. <Would you laughs> We were like, how great would it be if he was an Enneagram 9
3: and then you are. Oh, so, like, when I did that, when I did that quiz, it was 100% 9. There was no question there. Um, but, look, and I, I will, yeah, very much agree, Jill, that I think there's a natural tendency for me to to just want to avoid any conflict. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but. Look, in my own life, I feel that the last two years I have never seen so much conflict in, in yeah. society, politically, with the pandemic. Yeah. I, I have never known such a season of um, people being pushed into camps. Like it yeah. just seems like almost in, in, in many different sectors of life there's a push to, to different camps. And yeah. so it feels like conflict is all around um i i've been challenged to to recognize though like this is what i was talking about earlier um with with people in my own life that i've had very very strong differences of opinion on related to the pandemic that it it wasn't that me actually just being silent wasn't peacemaking that that was actually <laughs> just that for for some people um, silence can be really seen as a, a, a real act of aggression, mm. and that um, really seeking peace is is remaining in conversation, mm. um, seeking to listen to the the point of view of the other, and and to try and understand how they're feeling and what they're going through. I, I've been challenged to speak the truth in love. I think that look look in, in in terms of the pandemic there are there are so many different stories out there but i i do think that, that there is a point that we actually just have to to say um that that, that some of these things are just outright wrong and harmful and and mongering mm. um, but to do that in a loving way to yeah speaking the truth in love i think is key it, it may not be that we agree it may not be that i can convince someone or get onto the same page with them, but that doesn't mean that I can't uh, be present with them. It Doesn't mean mm. that I can't enjoy companionship with someone who has a difference of opinion to me. That mm. actually, um, there's real value and benefit in in spending time together. And it might be that we, um, yeah, don't don't keep talking about the thing that we we disagree on, but we can still enjoy friendship and companionship together
1: yeah
0: Yeah. it's a hard it's it's so hard though so I get why like um like putting myself in the place of um when someone is uh saying things that I might disagree with um and then seeking to listen without trying to change their opinion like it's easy to to listen with an agenda Feeling like I'm right and they're wrong, um, and I'll listen to them for a bit, uh, and then put my my perspective forward. It's actually incredibly—I um, uh, don't know what the word is um, hu- humility. It's it feels like a humility to um, to say I need to be okay, even if you don't change perspective, even if you. Um, continue to do things that make um, the world an unsafe place or like whatever it might be that's really hard Um, (laughs) and you must feel that as a nine as well um, on the Enneagram as a piece you must feel that um, really strongly yeah um, that tension
3: yeah it yeah it's it's the it's the hard thing but I think, like you say, that it's some. It is the. It's a good thing to actually accept that it's not about winning. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a song. Uh, I can't remember who it's by, but it's one of the lines in the song is that love has a million disguises, but winning mm. is simply not one. Wow. Mm. Um. Mm-hmm. I, I think about that, like that if we're if we're going into a kind of um, relationship, if we're talking to someone where we know there's going to be conflict, if our goal is to, to win the argument, yeah, um, that is not love, actually, that, that love is just seeking to prioritise the, the relationship and um, the good of the other rather than being right. Mm. Yeah, yeah.
1: It takes me back to that image, James, of you um, just kind of surrendering in the ocean kind of thing. I think you you seem from this conversation to have a beautiful sense of surrender, like holding your values um, and, and beliefs tight, but also surrendering, not trying to control um, the outcome, um, trusting your intention and trusting your values it's it's really cool it's very mm. encouraging
3: i think it's a battle it's a battle though like it's it's something yeah. that i aspire to to always be um i don't know I don't always get it right by any means but <laughs> but yeah trying to, to to surrender i like that it's a, a great way of putting it. grace surrendering to yeah to god's good will in this world
1: what have you learned about your about God's love specifically for you through through your journey with peacemaking, um, as like an Enneagram nine and and working through the uncomfortableness of um approaching conflict head-on kind of thing. Well not in a violent way, but yeah, head on.
3: I'm sure there are times where I have have not done it well, where I've approached conflict and and tried to tried to listen, tried to be a a peacemaker, and just stuffed it up. But <laughs> when I think about look thinking about this um, thinking about Christ, like he, that he didn't that he yeah brought about peace for us um perfectly that that even though we can kind of try and go into conflict and and not always you know I flare up definitely at times um but that his his way of bringing about um peace with us was was perfectly sacrificial Mm. that um that there was no pride that there was no um yeah trying to, to preserve his own um position or stance that he just completely gave himself um yeah to to bring about peace for us with god i'm just wondering if if the blessing
0: of being a peacemaker is is that you are a child of god what is what does that look like for you being that that child of God mm. through being
3: a peacemaker Mm. The The verse that immediately um, came to mind for me is um, John 1, 12 and 13. Yet yeah, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Um, I, I find that just such an encouraging thought that our God, the, the creator of all things, who, who made us in his image, then calls us um, into his family uh, through Jesus, our older brother. Mm. Um, yeah, and it the, the hope for the future and purpose in this life that we have through being called God's children. Um, and for me, that that hope and purpose is it's such a blessing that a part of Mm -hmm. the work that I get to do with Tearfund is is seeing his kingdom come in Mm -hmm. this world, Um, Mm -hmm. seeing justice for the poor, um, freedom for the oppressed. It's a great blessing and encouragement every day.
4: Mm. Mm. Wow.
0: The idea of being like part of the family of God, um, like not only a, a child of God but therefore part of the family of God and, and God, as, God as parental figure um, of like, like I just think of my, like being part of a family, our family is the people who we have the most conflict with. But um, most of the time, um, families, uh, even though there is that conflict, 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 they're also the people that you um, are, are with kind of throughout the whole of your life. <laughs> and therefore working out, how to be a peacemaker amidst conflict, even from like from me as a father with my two children, they're often arguing with each other, yelling at each other um, about whatever it might be. And so h- helping them, um, like one of my first things is helping them to sit down, to look each other in the eye and and to talk it through, like to actually talk about it without, without just telling on the other, like with, <laughs> without... Um, any sense of a agenda, but just to, to kind of talk about it. And I, I'm just thinking about this, the, the, me as a father and my kids and and trying to help them sort through conflict and kind of just recognising how much of a blessing it is to be in a family that no matter what conflict we go through, we can sit there and through listening and through um, through empathy and truly being present with each other, we can work it out. Um, and continue to be in relationship with each other. Like that, play that out to the family of God and to being children of God. That's such a beautiful image Mm -hmm. that we don't have it together, that things are messy, that we're going to disagree, that we're going to fight as much as my children fight. But... (laughs) (laughs) In the midst of all that, there is the peaceable kingdom calls us to be part of this beautiful family together. I just I love that idea. Mm.
1: Yeah, and indefinite belonging. That phrase just came to mind, like Mm. belonging that, yeah, that's beautiful. Thanks for Mm. having that. I loved that. Mm.
3: Uh,
0: So good.
1: James, it has been so great to chat to you. Thank you so much for your time.
3: Yeah, to you both as well. It's been a real pleasure. Um, yeah, really great to hear stories.
2: Absolutely.
3: Our Creator God, we thank you for the perfect example of a peacemaker that we have in our Lord Jesus. We thank you that through his work on the cross, he has brought us perfect peace, defeating the power of sin and evil in his death and resurrection. Father, help us to be people of peace, to listen to the other in love when we face conflict, to remain present even when we don't agree. And Lord, we ask that you would bring lasting peace to the nation of Afghanistan, that you would comfort those facing uncertainty and provide for those in great need. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: So good to talk to James. Um, how so, wonderful. What a great conversation.
1: It was fantastic. Thank you again, James. Yeah.
0: Um, uh, we're going to come straight into uh, your poem that you've written, Grace, um, mm. for, for kind of moving from Afghanistan now to Ethiopia. Uh, this is a poem that Grace has written reflecting on Abarash Tagisi and her, her daughter, Radiat. Um, thank you for writing this poem. Sit back and, and enjoy.
4: My name is Radiate, I'm five. My best friend is my mum. She's, she's, she's busy lots, she, she does work, work, work. But, but sometimes we play, we play hide and seek and she can't catch me, cause I'm fast. My name is Aberash.
2: I'm a mother of eight. A mother struggling, struggling to feed my family, struggling to get the money to survive. A loan that cost me far more than it should. Every month it is weighed down by more interest, more interest stacked atop like heavy blanket. It is a weight all-consuming and I am running through an endless tunnel. Quick steps, cold sweat, out of breath, this debt. Here's a nightmare never ending. I run ahead. Fear fuels my steps. The tunnel's fluorescent light shines unapologetically on weakening frame and empty hands. Empty hands. The silence amplifies a sigh. My sigh, an echo that glides effortlessly down the tunnel. I cannot find the light at the end. I cannot find the light at the end. I want to hold my youngest radiant, and not just when she's crying. I want to play and laugh with my kids, but I don't have the time, just trying to survive. Keeping my family afloat is a dark ocean, and I am cast adrift on its waters. Clarity depletes, time falls away. I cannot sleep. I close my eyes, I cannot sleep. This tunnel, this life, this. (sighs) But have you seen her smile, my radiant? Have you seen her smile? It is a glimpse, a speck of natural light finding me all the way down here inside this tunnel. Her smile, a way forward. I open my eyes, her smile. I open my eyes, and there is another light, an invite, a people who offer me a helping hand, schooling for my radiate a new loan with no interest, a way to get out of this. A group of women welcome me, a breeze that blows down through the tunnel until I can breathe again. I walk fast now, the light grows now, my life slows down. One more step and the tunnel is gone. I stop. The air is lighter, clean. It's playful between two lungs. Tall trees chase the breeze, and the soft soil warms worn out feet. I am okay. The women sit in the clearing. They ask me over. I sit. I tell my story, they ask questions. There is space here for my fears and exhaustion. Space to be present, to listen, and to hold other people's stories. Space to learn and plan. There is space to create. In this clearing, this circle, these women, we forge new paths, brick by brick. Steady paths, stability for my family. and Radiot. My Radiot, have you seen her smile? I watch her every morning as she runs through the school gate and in the night her conversation bubbles with her learning. We read together and I sense in those quiet moments her story being rewritten.
4: My name is Radiot and I'm seven years old. Today at preschool I learned I learnt E is for I and H is for head and H is for hope. My best friend is my mum. She plays with me and um she's 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 funny. <laughs>
0: So wonderful. Um, mm. next week we're gonna finish this whole series off, but it's been extraordinary, hasn't it? Getting to write these poems reflecting on people's stories.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And thank you so much for joining us on the journey so far. Mm. We really look forward to next week. We um, Who we'll do we hear
0: from next week?
1: <sighs> look, you're 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 gonna be spoiled. You're in
0: for a treat. <laughs> Not really, now we sound like too egotistical. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, we will be coming to you on Resurrection Sunday.
0: Resurrection Sunday. And it will be Grace and I. We're going to be chatting a little bit about our lives, a little bit about creativity, mm. a whole lot of stuff we'll be covering next week. So join yeah. us for our final week of this this Lent series, this Beatitude series.
1: Yeah, and it'll be awesome to just take some time to really reflect on... Um, what has really stuck with us both, I think, yeah. over the last seven weeks. Yeah, I'm all excited these wonderful that.
0: conversations that we've had. Mm. Great.
1: We'll catch you then.
0: See you then.